Welcome to the Wild Health Podcast. The EU-funded Wild Health Project aims to conduct research on pervasive e-health and establish a sustainable network of research and dissemination across Europe. You can know more about the project on our webpage wildhealth.eu, YouTube or Twitter. Our guest speaker today is André Rodrigues, a postdoc researcher at Faculdade de Ciências da Universidade de Lisboa. He will present WildKey, an Android keyboard toolkit that allows for the usable deployment of in-the-wild user studies. Let's dive in. Thank you, Tiago, for the introduction. Uh, hello, everyone. As Tiago said, I'm André. I'll be talking to you uh, a lot about our toolkit that we developed for in the wild data collection and more specifically uh, for um, text entry uh, data. This is an amalgamation, I would say, of our work from uh, a few years already uh, of working in the field of text entry analysis and also conducting uh, in the wild studies in, in, in primarily using smartphones as, as a way to collect data. So smartphones are everywhere. I think I don't need to, to say much more. Uh, the old feature phones where you had keys to press are, are disappearing from the market. So even elderly people that uh, traditionally uh, weren't adopters of such technology are uh, starting to have to, 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 to use smartphones or uh, risk not, not, not having uh, a phone. Um, regardless of what country you're in, uh, if, if it's a country with uh, people where people have more or less economical power, uh, uh, everywhere uh, people are using smartphones. And we kind of use smartphones to do a little bit of everything. Uh, so um, in many cases, they almost become an extension of oneself. And we are increasingly generating more and more personal data on these devices. Uh, so privacy becomes quite a hot topic uh, when it comes to smartphones and specifically collecting data, and more so when, when talking about collecting data in the wild. Uh, and it's really not surprising because we use these devices to do a bit of everything to work, to socialize, uh, and all sorts of other uh, more mundane activities. And one of the main things that we actually do with them is typing. So we type a lot. We type to browse the web, to again, to work, to socialize, uh, and to shop, among many other things. Some more than others, uh, but uh, typing is a very common uh, task. And we really think that text, text or text entry is quite an interesting task uh, and a, quite a complex one because it kind of uh, encapsulates these two types of demands. You obviously have a cognitive demand when you're uh, constructing phrases and uh, and having to, to make an argument. It varies if you're doing uh, writing formally or informally, uh, if you're writing in your mother language or if it's a language that you're more um, unfamiliar with. Uh, but there's no denying it that there's a, a cognitive demand to it. And what we find interesting at, as uh, uh, if we analyze these kinds of um, cognitive demands on text entry, we can kind of expect that, um, for example, diseases that have cognitive declines, maybe we can uh, see something on the data that reveals that. Uh, on the same token, we have a physical demand because people have to uh, uh, write on these uh, relatively small displays and uh, be very precise with their typing and with their, with their touching. Um, and for uh, people that have a motor disability, or even if someone is more tired, uh, their uh, motor uh, dexterity might be uh, affected. Um, and uh, it can be, uh, again, quite interesting to look uh, at this data because it can, can reveal, uh, or we believe that it can reveal a lot of things. Um, so what can we actually do uh, with it? So uh, past research has showcased a lot of potential uh, uh, for text entry as a digital endpoint, for example, for both disease detection and monitoring, uh, for biometrics and understanding uh, users individually, um, for one to actually um, record themselves and use it uh, for as part of the quantified self-movement self that is out there in the same way that people collect their accelerometer data to check how they are doing throughout, throughout the years or, or months. Uh, and uh, we also see a possibility to use the type of data that we can 
can collect from text entry tasks to uh, personalize um, a variety of different things, such as the way users interact with uh, the device, uh, whether that would be uh, accessibility options or more fine-grained uh, modeling of users' behaviors and adaptation of interactions. I'll talk a little bit more in detail about some of these. Uh, so for example, in the specific case of Parkinson, we already seen past work uh, using uh, typing behavior. So the way people type or their touch behaviors uh, when typing uh, to distinguish between people that have Parkinson's and healthy uh, control subjects um, or discriminating between early Parkinson patients and again, healthy um, 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 patients healthy um, uh, participants. And both the, the ones on the top both used touch uh, typing behaviors, I would say, which is basically how people write. So for example, how much time they take traveling from one key to another and not necessarily how people are writing or the errors that they are making. Uh, uh, but some works are already starting to combining these two approaches of both assessing not only how you type in terms of touching behaviors, but uh, having an understanding of the character level or the sequence of characters that you are in this, uh, that you are writing to um, uh, beef up uh, the types of analysis and the performances of, of these kinds of models. It's not only Parkinson, we've seen used in other domains as well. For example, uh, typing behaviors that have also been able to distinguish between uh, people with uh, multiple sclerosis and healthy participants in some I would say more preliminary work perhaps um, we've seen um, attempts to distinguish between stress and unstress uh, states with some success uh, and as well as others uh, looking at typing behaviors as a way to assess um, fatigue um, uh, between uh, people having more or being more or less uh, tired throughout the day and even for inebriation, in CHI 2018, we've seen a paper correlating um, the way users are typing with um, their blood alcohol level. So um, uh, related with, of, of course, this is how they are, were, or uh, they were exploring how they were, um, uh, their typing behaviors, their touch behaviors on the phone. So we think, again, uh, text can be quite interesting for a variety of different domains or different contexts in the, in the health space. As for biometrics, uh, we have seen that typing behaviors have been mostly explored as authentication or as a mechanism to detect intrusions. And uh, what all of these works uh, have in common is that they suggest that typing and touching behaviors can be highly sensitive to the individual, which can be quite interesting um, um, because it kind of uh, shows us the power of using these individualized models um, for for um, relying on text entry. Um, as for the personalization and uh, about one collecting their own data um, or the quantify self-movement, uh, we've seen examples of how touch data in particular can be uh, used to adapt or to, to produce uh, um, models of how the users are interacting. For example, the, the paper on top used a custom-made application of Sudoku to try to understand how the users were, were, were interacting with the smartphone, and then they could adapt based on what they already constructed the model of the, the user to be, in this case, uh, motor-impaired users, to facilitate interacting with um, with um, the application. Of course, this can be extrapolated. If you have models, you can then start to think about how we can actually adapt not just one application, but the whole interaction with the smartphone. Um, and similarly, uh, specifically on text entry, uh, the work by Wang uh, showed that if we know a user has Parkinson, then you can start to actually have algorithms that facilitate the way they are, they are typing. Um, um, significantly reducing the errors that participants actually do uh, when when writing on on smartphones. Uh, and well, all of this is really interesting. Or again, I think we think it is. Uh, but actually, there's one thing: uh, how can we go about collecting all these types of data? And I'll I'll go a bit through through the approaches that prior work has also done. So. 
the way we see it, there are two main ways to, to collect text entry data. You can collect text entry data explicitly. Um, and uh, well, what I mean by explicitly is asking the user to do something. And the most, the traditional one in text entry um, studies or in both in the laboratory and even so in the wild is to prompt the user to do a transcription task. So you give them the target phrase and then they simply have to, to to do it as best and as as accurate and as fast as they can. These usually require you to build custom-made applications to have the users install them and then have generate uh, these kind of notifications for the user. Um, a different approach is, is actually to collect in, in implicit data. So anywhere the user is writing text, you can collect it. And there have been multiple approaches uh, for this. One of them is actually collect everything. So you can do this by having a keylogger, or if you develop a, a keyboard that does this, you can obviously do this. And we did this in the past in some of our work. And there are frameworks out there that also are able to kind of act like a, a keylogger almost. Uh, so, but there's obviously a problem here uh, about um, uh, privacy. Um, and the problem is that if users know everything they are doing is being collected, they will refrain from participating in your studies and it will be much harder to actually have people uh, use the, the devices for long periods of time unless, uh, in, in, uh, unless under very specific uh, conditions or people that are really uh, keen on participating in studies or that see a clear benefit in using it. Um, but of course, they can be quite powerful if you are able to collect everything. Another type of approach uh, still in implicit data collection is actually, well, we do collect everything, but not nothing that would compromise uh, uh, user privacy or the contact that they are uh, actually sharing. And past work, uh, the way they have uh, dealt with this is collecting metrics uh, that actually um, don't, uh, they don't collect any uh, text data nor any data that would allow the reconstruction of the text that participants were doing while while typing. And metrics are metrics like flight time and hold time. For those who, who don't know, the flight time is the time between someone pressing a key and then uh, lifting off and going to the next key. So the time they spent transitioning between keys, basically. Oops, <coughs> sorry. Uh, and another approach still in implicit collection is not um, is uh, collecting uh, data, but of obfuscating it in a way that it's incomprehensible. So there have been works. Sorry, uh, there have been works uh, that have been uh, that develop filters. Uh, so then we uh, the research uh, we as researchers are conducting the study, we can collect snippets of the data, I would say, but not in a way that would make um, as uh, or enable us to reconstruct uh, the text that was actually written. Uh, this obviously has benefits and, and downsides or uh, even abstracting the, the text content. So imagine that you have a sentence, you can um, analyze the sentence and, uh, and, and uh, transform each word in, in into its category. So imagine that you could have like noun, verb, adjective. So you can still get some uh, linguistic level information or language level information, but uh, still not compromise user privacy. So these are also quite interesting and can be uh, quite powerful. So summarizing a, a bit of the, the work that I've been discussing so far, uh, all of these have one thing in common. Uh, deploying studies in the wild can be quite challenging. And depending on the types of, of things that you want to collect, it can present uh, additional privacy issues uh, <coughs> and result in lower compliance. Um, there's obviously these two sides uh, to the collection. You have uh, implicit collection that allows you to collect uh, everywhere. It can be more spontaneous and probably have more continuous data throughout the day. But with explicit, you can prompt the user to do more control tasks. Uh, there's obviously privacy issues depending on the type of method that you choose to do. Uh, and there's these, I would categorize these two different um, types of metrics that you can collect, the touch data, so the way the users are interacting with their device, and the text or language level data, which are more related to how uh, users construct their phrases and how they verbalize or how they write. 
so um, considering all of this, we, we uh, developed uh, uh, the WildKey toolkit, which is a privacy-aware uh, keyboard toolkit for data collection in the wild, considering all, all that I mentioned before. So our motto was kind of, we wanted to enable uh, anyone to collect uh, everyday typing data that would enable a more continuous and spontaneous assessments of how users uh, are, are doing um, without having to collect any sensitive uh, information. Uh, does uh, promoting compliance and adherence to since we since uh, participants would feel more comfortable using the the keyboard so uh, the toolkit is composed of three main components i would say one of them is an android keyboard uh, application another one is a study manager react application and a, a cloud database that we are using one specific one but the the toolkit was developed that you can easily transition to a different one if you so wished. So as for the Android keyboard, uh, it's a traditional uh, Android keyboard, nothing really special about it other than the uh, metrics that we and the analytics that we, we put on top. So it extends the uh, open Android software project, uh, specifically the, the, the keyboard. It has language support for 26 languages, autocorrect, suggestions, and all things that you come to expect. Uh, and it is available on Android um, 6.0 and above. As for the study manager uh, application, it's an application that basically allows you to create studies to manage your users it has a, a, a study dashboard that allows you to oversee the study um, and it's one of the parts of the ecosystem that that we try to build with this toolkit uh, one thing that is important uh, to to highlight is that um, the wild key toolkit was developed in a way that you can uh, deploy your own ecosystem completely separate from our own so you uh, create your own uh, cloud database uh, and you can deploy your own local study manager application uh, and have a version of your wild key keyboard to conduct your studies um, so you have uh, more control over um, um, the studies you are running and the data that you are generating as for data collection, which is probably the most important point of, of uh, the toolkit, uh, we have um, the text entry data collection, which is obviously the most important one. And we, uh, since, uh, as I mentioned before, it's not clear cut if implicit data or implicit data collection, if one is better or, or the other, they are adequate for different uh, scenarios. Uh, so actually the wild toolkit enables you to collect both. Uh, and Part of running in the wild studies, and uh, specifically in the health domain, one of the common things that you might want to do during a longitudinal study to actually have points of assessment uh, throughout throughout the, the study, uh, which typically uh, employ uh, deploying scales or questionnaires to your participants. And as such, uh, we in the toolkit. Uh, we also have the ability for you to create custom uh, to create your own questionnaires and deploy them to your users uh, and um, also create custom-made tasks or use the ones that that we have available i'll go into a bit more detail into each of these so for the explicit tasks we support two kinds of tasks at the moment so transcription task which is the default standard uh, traditional text entry assessments where you give a phrase and the users write the same phrase and we also support uh, compositions uh, which basically allows you to ask a question for the user and then you collect the data that they are answering oops uh, so the there are benefits to um, the explicit task as i mentioned before it, it is they can be more control and you can prompt the user whenever you want to do a specific thing you can use the composition kind of tasks to ask relevant questions to your study. So in addition to collecting the text entry data, you might be interested in their actual responses. Uh, and you can kind of force data collection when you, you, you do this, while in implicit data, you pretty much are at the whim of the, your user, of your participants. Also, one thing that we do here, since we are specifically asking the users to do something, we collect raw data um, uh, in in all of our explicit uh, data collection methods. So you we collect both all the touch points and all the text that the user has written. For implicit data collection, we support the keyboard collects data anywhere the user writes. Um, 
and it obviously has uh, other benefits. Uh, namely, uh, we are uh, analyzing the user natural typing behavior without having artificial tasks created for them to do. It allows a continuous effort without having to add any additional effort to, to the user. Uh, and the way we do it to conserve uh, or to, to, um, to have uh, user privacy is that we actually don't store any textual data. What we do is that we locally process every metric that requires um, access to the text content and only uh, the data that is generated that doesn't allow for any reconstruction of the actual text is recorded uh, to, to the database. So at no point do we, do we store um, uh, data about what the users are writing. And in this way, we can ensure both privacy, but still have the, the, the benefits of uh, processing uh, the language or the, the text that the users are, written, are writing. As for processing the text and how we actually handle this, um, so for those of you who are more familiar with text entry analysis, one of the important things that you have to know when you are trying to assess error rates, for example, is you have to know what the user is trying to write. So when you actually give them the sentence to write, you, you know what they're trying to write. But for methods such as the implicit, the implicit data collection or for uh, questions that you ask to your users, you don't know what they're trying to write. So uh, you have to do a probabilistic approach and um, estimate what they are trying to write. And we do this in a, uh, uh, in a similar way to how Evans did in 2012 and how we did in a past work of ours in text entry in the wild as well, where we basically use the dictionary to find if the 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 words that uh, result in your last, uh, on your final sentences, sentence, we check if there's a, a word for that in the dictionary. If not, we use the best uh, estimate as, as, as your intent. Uh, if there is not a word for that, we just assume that you are using a word that you invented and you're pretty comfortable. That's the word that you were, were trying to write. Uh, we also support the unconstrained text entry protocol. Uh, what this means is basically, Users don't have uh, to have a certain kind of behavior to use the keyboard. They can correct, use suggestions, um, um, move the cursor and change sentence in, in the middle. And the keyboard handles all of those changes and then is able to still process and, and calculate the metrics that, that, we, that we are able to do, to have. As for the questionnaires, um, uh, we have a variety of different types of questions that you can can create. Uh, these are examples of four different types of questions. Um, uh, there's not much to it other than you can create them and deploy them, and deploy them as you wish. Uh, as for, I'm always going backwards, sorry. Uh, as for the custom-made tasks, uh, one thing that we know is that when uh, running studies, uh, every study is normally uh, a little bit different and normally those changes are the ones that cost you the most to to implement so we try to do the toolkit as much as possible uh, to be extendable and one of the ways that we did is is by implementing what we call a, a custom made kind custom made kind of tasks uh, where if you are more uh, technical you can create your own custom tasks and still deploy them through the through the toolkit uh, we have one example currently available, which uh, we implemented the, the alternate finger typing test, which is used for um, assessment of uh, bradykinesia. Can't say that word, sorry. Um, uh, but it, obviously, depending on your context, it might make sense to have other types of, of uh, digital assessments. Uh, again, I'll, I'll touch a little bit on this throughout the presentation, but we designed this to be a privacy uh, aware uh, toolkit. And one of the ways that we did it was by ensuring that during implicit collection, we don't actually store any text content and we make sure the users know that. Uh, we also don't process anything that when the users are writing in password fields or when inserting numbers, because normally those two are, are really sensitive. Um, we also have always available on the keyboard a small um, lock uh, icon on the top left corner of the keyboard uh, where users can basically uh, enable a mode where nothing is calculated. Sorry. Uh, and this is um, uh, also of a, or is, is based on 
research IME who also used a similar approach to to give users the freedom to to enter a private mode. Uh, on our study dashboards, we also have uh, some tools that enable um, or facilitate the right to be forgotten. So you can download all of the of one user's data and send it to them if they request, or delete all the data associated with one particular user more easily, at least from from the database. Uh, we have. Uh, on our repository mockup data reports, which are basically a template of the kinds of data that we are generating. And uh, we highly encourage anyone that uses the, the toolkit to either produce similar ones or to use these ones when you're uh, running your studies, uh, because we found that when you give this to participants beforehand, they are uh, more keen to participate in the study and, and feel more comfortable with um, but because they understand the types of data that you are actually collecting. Uh, one thing that we actually also do, um, and we encourage everyone to do as well, is uh, at the end of the study, we take um, uh, the data that participants have and we generate a, a, a similar report to the mock-up one, but with data that, that they themselves contributed and we give them back to them. Uh, does people benefit from participating in this types of studies, understanding more of their tax entry behaviors. Um, it's a nice addition to the study. Uh, and also, again, feel more comfortable with the data they are sharing and they can see the outcomes uh, of what they have been, uh, or at least a glimpse of the outcomes of what they've been um, sharing. Uh, as for running your study, I already talked a lot about this as well, but basically in the study, um, dashboard or in the study manager app, you can uh, personalize the kind of studies that or the types of tasks you want the users to do. You can create schedules for one user or for multiple users and deploy them. Um, for example, a study that we are currently running, we have a schedule that participants have a questionnaires every weekend for four weeks. And during two of those weeks, they have three times of uh, one task three times of day in three defined intervals. Um, and the way this actually goes to the user is uh, on their um, smartphone. They get notified whenever they enter a period where they have a task available. We have a small, uh, a small notification also available on the keyboard to facilitate users reaching the, the, the task as well. And through the application from the keyboard, they can also go to the task and see when it's their next uh, uh, pending, or when, when will the next task for them to do will be available. This for, of course, the explicit tasks such as questionnaires or um, explicit text entry tasks. Can also manage your users and have a quick uh, uh, access uh, a study dashboard to, to check some of the metrics uh, that uh, might be helpful while you're running your study. I won't go into too much detail about the metrics that we collect. We collect over 15 metrics. In the end, I'll share with you a link to our uh, website for WildKey, which has also a link there for uh, a technical report that um, that we are that 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 is there available, which uh, specifically details how each of the metrics is calculated and points you to related work uh, on them when when necessary. Uh, but Overall, we collect speed errors and others that I'll talk in a bit, just to give you a quick glimpse of the types of things that we can can then see from the data. This is, for example, one participant from our most recent study. Uh, here we can see uh, each dot is a text entry trial, so opening the keyboard, writing something, and then closing it. Closing it. The red dots are the average, uh, and we can see uh, I think almost four weeks of data, if not more. Uh, of a single participant, which obviously is someone that uh, writes quite quite a lot. Uh, again, the same type of graph, but this time for error rates for uh, a particular participant as well. Um, and uh, 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 here you can see that some sessions, and it was the same in the, the previous one, where there are some that are quite outliers. And those happen when, for example, a user either writes something that is completely uh, rubbish, I would say, or if someone quickly opens the keyboard and taps a two or three suggestions and then sends it, uh, of course, the text entry, for example, the words per minute will be quite high, uh, even though there were only two, two, two presses. So there are other metrics that can uh, compensate for that. 
this is a, an example from our past work and with the type of data that we are collecting in WildKey, you can do these sorts of visualizations to better understand what you're looking at. Uh, in this specific case uh, is looking at the substitution error rates. Uh, so which keys are mostly responsible for substitution error rates? And this can, can depending on the context, be quite relevant to look at. Uh, we also collect touch dynamics or typing behaviors, as I was talking before, from flight time to all time to a variety of different ones. The ones that we don't collect in implicit are the ones that would allow you to reconstruct the text. And from these, again, you can, depending on what you're trying to look at, it can be quite quite interesting to, to do. Sorry, I think my headset died. Um, can be quite interesting to do. So on the, on the bottom image, you'll see this was a study that we ran a couple of years ago where we had blind participants uh, and we gave them a smartphone for the first time and um, accompanying them throughout, I think it was eight weeks. And on the bottom image, you see their old times from the first week to the last week of one particular participant. So you see a clear improvement and where the, where the focus problem points for that particular user. Again, we collect a, a, a bunch of different metrics around action and character counts, how many entry actions, how many correction actions, autocorrects, and, and so on, which again, depending on what you're trying to assess, it can be quite relevant. This is just, again, a quick uh, graph of the characters written per day for one participant during implicit uh, data collection. So you can see this is quite an active user with some days, uh, with one day over 3,000 and 500 characters, which each, each, which is quite impressive, I would say. There's obviously uh, some some trade-offs. So at the moment, uh, uh, we only support Android 6.0 and above, which is about 85% of the Androids available. Um, the error rates on implicit uh, collection, as you might have noticed, are artificially inflated, and this is of course because uh, people, when they are writing more informally. They use abbreviations, they uh, use um, emphasize words in different ways, and all of those are um, considered as errors, even though they might not be. Um, there have been past course also assessing these differences between in the wild and um, laboratory studies on text entry, which uh, uh, indicate this kind of, of difference and establish these, quite, these types of differences quite well. Uh, of course, accuracy can vary depending on the questionnaire, on the dictionary or the language that you're using. Uh, and finally, currently, the deployment of our ecosystem uh, of the toolkit uh, requires some so, some amount of technical expertise. We are more than happy to guide you through it in case you are interested in. Uh, we are working towards a, a model that allows anyone, a clinician with no technical expertise to deploy this and run their own studies. Uh, but the, the toolkit, it's, it's not there yet. It's uh, still, um, it still requires some, some, some technical um, uh, expertise to deploy the whole ecosystem. Um, we will have a, a standalone demo available on the Play Store uh, sometime next week uh, with only uh, local storage. So you can install and check the type of metrics that we can collect. There's also uh, uh, on the website I'll share, there's also a link um, to uh, multiple uh, sample files of uh, the data we, we collect as well. So uh, just to, to before finishing off, we are currently already using the keyboard in three three studies that we are working on. Uh, the first one is on exploring privacy, adherence, and, and compliance around these different types of data collection and how participants feel, what types of data uh, these different methods are generating, which ones are interesting. Uh, uh, with our uh, partners, we are exploring also text entry metrics on Parkinson, and we are interested in, uh, uh, we are uh, preparing a multiple stage uh, study uh, where we'll go into more detail uh, about the differences or the motor fluctuations in Parkinson and try to assess those with with uh, text entry metrics or touch behaviors. And finally, uh, with our partners, we are participating in a study where the keyboard uh, will be used or uh, uh, I think starting next week, exploring text entry metrics uh, in fatigue. 
So I won't bother you anymore. I think I th I'm a bit over time. I just want to say you can contact me or um, reach out to us if you're interested in, in using this and running your own studies. Please let us know. Uh, the, um, the repository is open source and open to everyone. Uh, currently, we still require you to send us a message before we give you access, but we give access regardless of whether you want to do it on your own or collaborate. But we are very keen on exploring uh, new opportunities and collaboration, so feel free to reach out. So thank you everyone for listening and I'm open to questions. So thank you, Andre. And uh, so I'll open the floor for questions. I won't make them unless I have to. Does anyone have a question for Andre? Hello, I have a question. Thank you for the presentation, Andre. Um, why is the accuracy different for different languages? Can you talk a bit more about why that happens? Uh, so uh, we actually don't know. That was the point I was trying to make. So we have some experience with running this with uh, Portuguese and with English, and they seem to be uh, pretty all right. But we, you might run into some some issues depending on the dictionaries that you're using. One thing that uh, uh, we notice on even on our own dictionaries is when you, if the word is there, usually that's not a problem. So it's a dictionary. So if the word exists, uh, that's that's okay. But if you rely on the prediction of the, the dictionary and the spell checker to actually estimate the word, the better they estimate, the better will be uh, your calculation of your error rate. Uh, so since we are relying on open source dictionaries and, and spell checkers, this might, for example, if you are using a dictionary for a long time and you add your own words to it, the error rate will decrease because it's personalized to you. While if you have one that does not have those, uh, it will obviously increase if you are just bootstrapping and using it. So that's that's just one thing to, to consider. Also one thing to note is we currently don't have an easy way to, to add additional dictionaries because it requires a little bit of work on, on the backend, uh, but that's something that you can do if you are more technical, you can uh, provide your own dictionaries and and uh, use your own spell checking methods to, to check for or estimate the, the word. Thank you. No problem. We have more, more questions. Uh, I have one. Uh, uh, hi, thanks for the talk. It was nice. Uh, so I'm, I'm wondering if you are aware of uh, of some interesting typing features uh, that tell us something about the psychological state of the user. Uh, because I'm I'm not really sure what to look for if if that's what we're interested in. Uh, so, a couple of those. So, for example, depending on what you're um, trying to assess. For example, looking at the text that the participant is actually writing, it, it uh, doing some kind of sentiment analysis might be indicative of, of the state and trying to assess the emotions conveyed in the way people are writing could be interesting. That's something that you can build uh, as a local analysis to the text uh, when you're collecting implicitly. Uh, in the current metrics that we are uh, supporting, uh, we've seen in, in past work that uh, people, for example, when they are more stressed, they tend to write faster and with more errors. So I would, I'm not sure which ones will be the ones that will determine, will, um, will be interesting to look at. But uh, for example, all times on the keys might also determine if the user is more uncertain of writing a letter or not, because he's more concerned about something. So there are subtle changes, but if you collect enough data, it might be interesting to look at. I'm, I cannot, I'm, I'm not, I don't know for sure if they'll give you something, uh, but I think they're looking, they're, um, they're promising to look at at the very least. Did I answer your question? Uh, partly. <laughs> it's. I mean, it's. It's not a topic that we have really worked on so far. Uh, I'm just thinking about it, and it's. Uh, they, these are good pointers. If we actually want to do something about this, we'll have to research it a bit further. 
another thing that I can say is uh, if you want to look at more how of the if you want to look at the data as how much people are socializing that can also be indicative uh, of people having some 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 issues so if you are collecting how many text entry sessions they have you can kind of see their patterns and you can uh, maybe notice if there's a differences in some weekend all of a the sudden they didn't communicate with anyone for a whole day that's not normal right so uh, it, it it kind of depends on what you're looking at uh, and yeah okay thank but you. very interesting question uh, that i also don't know the answer <laughs> i have a question too hi there um hi andre uh, how do you aggregate your metrics is it by um typing session by minute by day uh, so currently, the way we do it, every time you open the keyboard, you consider that to be a session. And when the user closes it, then that ends the session. Uh, there's obviously one potential issue, which is uh, if people open the keyboard and don't write anything, or they stop in the middle and then open it after, or resume it a, a couple of minutes afterwards. Um, and we are um, uh, going to segment uh, those instances where there's, uh, or we will enable you to personalize how much time does do you wait before you consider a session to be over uh, even if the keyboard is open um, um but that's basically the way that we are currently doing so we're collecting everything and then um, since you have the sessions per um <clears throat> per time that the user open and closes then you can aggregate per day if you wish to thanks no problem so one more question here and uh, thanks thanks andre for the talk um, I wanted to ask a kind of a general question, really, because um, I saw that you mentioned uh, several studies that used um, smartphones for, um, let's say, discriminating between uh, healthy participants and those with Parkinson. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if you've done a study like this or, or not right we, now. We are working on one right okay. now. So, okay, good. So, so then uh, my question is, um, you know, are you aware of... Um, any studies that have, for example, compared uh, a signal that's coming from accelerometers and the signal from that's coming from a keyboard like yours, and uh, which one would have uh, perhaps more discriminative power or a combination of both, I assume would be the best, but uh, out of these, are you aware of any studies that have done something similar? I'm aware of studies that use the accelerometer on the, um, the smartphone uh, to, to actually calculate that. One that combines both, I'm not sure if I, if I come across one yet. Uh, of course, the accelerometer data, for, particularly for Parkinson's, is very, is very uh, I would say it's um, probably considered one of the most promising digital endpoints that people yeah. are using at the moment. Uh, I would expect typing can be uh, complementary or used in uh, different ways if, you're not if you don't have access to um, a wrist accelerometer and only using your phone. I can see it improving the, the types of um, of accuracy that you're reaching. And, uh, but yeah, I, I haven't come across, but that, that might be some interesting to work to do. Yeah, okay, thanks. Thank you. Hello, Andre. Uh, thank hey. you for the presentation. Uh, one quick question regarding what you were talking about in the previous past, Two questions ago, I guess, regarding using the keyboard to check if the person was active communicating with someone and so on. Um, that raised me a question of, does the key, is the keyboard aware of to what application is he writing to? Currently, no, for privacy uh, concerns. So we don't want to say that we collect how much time you're spending on Facebook or, or whatever, but, um, and, uh, but if you know, uh, there are some traits when you're writing on the keyboard that you know that you're writing for for someone. So if you're doing a browser search or writing a shop okay. list, your text entry uh, trials will be, um, well, for rather short. If you are composing uh, long sentences, you, you can expect that to be more related with social applications. Uh, that's not to say that you cannot um, or that we cannot combine this with uh, other services that are collecting already that, and then you can cross-reference um, 
uh, you know it was typing in this session and you have some other information from other sensors knowing that uh, um, that the user shared with you uh, okay. what application they were using um, um, and yeah uh, okay okay thank you Okay. Hello. Hello. You have more questions? Yeah, I have one more question. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Uh, there is a framework called uh, Aware Framework. Yeah. Uh, what is the advantage of WildKey over Aware Framework? So well, the Aware Framework actually provides a lot of different sensor data. Um, uh, well, I didn't put up the link. I, I thought I did, but. Um, uh, the way that Aware Frameworks uh, does it, as far as I'm aware, is they collect um, a bunch of different sensors from, from the smartphone. And one of those can be uh, the keys that the user is, uh, is pressing. So it's basically a key logger. So you don't have any touch dynamic information. And as far as I'm aware, they, since you are collecting um, text entry data, I think they don't collect in password fields and also numbers, but obviously you're compromising user privacy when doing so. I also think they don't, they are just a key logger. So if you're just interested in the, the text entry data um, of the input sentence that the user are writing, it can be a solution. But if you want more finer details uh, that you can get from collecting also typing uh, touch behaviors or typing behaviors like old times and stuff like that. I think they, as far as I'm aware, they're not able to, to, to get that level of detail. Thank you. No problem. Thank you. Uh, hi, I'm Yonash. Yeah, yes, I, uh, I have a comment and, and also a question. So first of all, I really liked your advice with uh, regarding how to um, sort of convince participants to install something like this. I think um, giving them some control and uh, some transparency, that was really good advice. I haven't thought about this, so thank you. Uh, but I also have a question. Um, I think it's related to the first question. So uh, when typing in Slovenian, um, we have some special letters, uh, which I'm sure is the case in other languages as well. And you can access those letters by a long press uh, on a certain letter, unless you actually use a specific keyboard. But um, yeah, I find this is uh, not the most common usage pattern. So I was wondering whether you take into account these long presses in any way uh, and how? Uh, we currently check to see if users are uh, using what we call special characters. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm not sure if the ones uh, hidden behind long presses are considered such, uh, such ones. Uh, are considered ones. I, I would have to check to be honest, uh, but uh, if they are, we are uh, kind of counting how many special characters uh, someone uses uses it. As we extended the Android um, keyboard, the default Android keyboard, if there's support for, for your language, your keyboard should support it as well. Um, as for the touch dynamic uh, or the touch metrics that we collect, you'll obviously see uh, some old times in some particular keys being uh, um, being or in some particular sessions being uh, more than let me try to to say this so we collect uh, every letter that you you enter we collect your old time on the keyboard for that particular letter and we know what is the old time to trigger the long press so we can actually kind of determine when you are using a, a, a long press interaction on, on your keyboard because we we know that part we don't know inside which letter you wrote but um, other than that we can sort of look at that uh, data of course this is all always i'm always talking about implicit data collection because if you actually send a um a transcription or a composition task for your participants then we collect everything raw so uh, then uh, you can do whatever. Thanks. Thank you. Time for a last question. 
have you had any issues applying this to a particular um, Android phone like brand? And are there any plans to port this to iOS? Uh, so iOS normally is a bit more restrict with their um, with the permissions that they give to the users. Last time I checked, I think it starts to become possible to actually run this kind of um, uh, keyboard applications on iOS. Uh, we currently don't have plans for the short term to support this for iOS, but it's something that we we have on the back of our minds that uh, should be available. As for the Android, we are. Um, we have planned for, well, in a couple of months, hopefully, we'll be looking at trying to see if we can reach a, a Android 5.0, but there are some dependencies that we are not sure we can deal with uh, losing at the moment. So I think we'll probably, um, the, the support for Android devices will be from 6.0 and above, um, which covers 85% and we that number will uh, obviously increase. But I'm not sure if that was your question regarding Android. Um, it will not regardless to, because you know, sometimes with, for example, with Aware, um, some Samsung phones have issues and sometimes some Huawei phones have issues. So I was wondering if you have found any particular brand or phone that has had issues with. Mm. Uh, uh, that's a, a tough question to answer because from the phones that we we uh, ran so far, uh, we well, we had someone's, some phones, so Samsung gave us a little bit of trouble and you had to compile stuff in a different way to actually get it to work or be supported when we deployed it to the Play Store. Um, other than that, we have seen some differences in the, um, not in the data collection, but in the, uh, what am I seeing? Ah, sorry. Uh, um, but in the, actually the visualization of notifications. So notifications are kind of an issue because different Androids deal with the notifications in very different ways and they can completely shut down your application from showing those. So for explicit uh, tasks, we've seen some differences, uh, but we've been trying to address all of those. And at the moment, I cannot pinpoint you one that is a particular issue uh, that we um, are not aware of how to solve. That's great. Thanks. But thank you. Okay. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, André. Uh, and you, uh, before closing the session, I would like to call your attention to our next seminar uh, in two weeks. Um, and if you want to register for this seminar, we'll open the registrations uh, soon. Uh, check our website, widehealth.eu, the, the website of the project. Uh, and it will appear that there are all the details and how you can register for the next one. Uh, and I hope that you all can join us uh, in this series and continue to uh, create this network of uh, research around pervasive healthcare. Um, and so thank you everyone and have a good afternoon.